morning. Hey guys, I'm Mark. I'm one of the pastors here at Providence Church. I want to dive right in this morning with, with some scripture. Um, this is coming from the Gospel of Mark. And this is a conversation that a couple of the disciples were having with Jesus. And after I, after I share this with you, there'll be a response for you to join in on the screen if you'll do that. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I get to be with you this morning as we start a new series called Becoming Love. And I want to start it off with an age-old question that some of you haven't been asked for a while, and maybe it's time we ask it again. What do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> what do you want to be when—you know— I used to hear that question kind of through the lens of what everybody would always tell me, and my parents especially. They would say to me, and hopefully some of you heard this too, you can do or be anything you want to be. That's not 100% true, <laughs> but I think it's a really awesome thing to be saying to our young people because it helps them. It kind of gives them this environment in which they can dream, right, and imagine it sparks creativity in their little hearts about what God has designed them for and what they could even possibly do. You guys want to hear a little bit of my list? Things that when I was younger, I would have answered. This is just like a short part of it. It was a pretty long list. Um, but of course, one of my responses was, as you would probably guess, um, I was, wanted to be a professional soccer player, right? Um, I also, this one might surprise some of you who know me, um, I wanted to be a star on Broadway, yeah, I know. I, it's a little surprising, but it's true. I also, on my list, was I wanted to be a jazz musician, a trumpet player, like Wynton Marsalis, world famous. That's what I, he was a hero of mine. That's what I was shooting for. This is my favorite one, though. I wanted to be an elementary school bus driver. <laughs> that was, I mean, really, that was probably at the top of my list. I'll explain it in just a minute. What, what did you have on, on your list? Like, what were, how did you respond to that question when you were, when you were younger? Now some of you could, could actually say this. You could say, when I was four years old, I had this dream on my heart, and it's exactly what I'm doing today, now that I'm in my 50s or whatever. You know, that would be, that's amazing. Good for you. Now, there are a lot of us who that is not the case for. Like, we had to readjust. We had to back up. We had to say, wait a minute. And I wonder to myself sometimes, you know, like, it turns out, to be a professional soccer player, you have to be an exceptional athlete. And, and to make it on Broadway, <laughs> you've got to be able to sing really, really well. To be a professional jazz musician trumpet player, you have to practice your trumpet every once in a while. <laughs> and I, I wonder, like reflecting, why did I have this list? Like what was this list about for me? And I'm, I'm sure that when I was a kid, I had some selfish motives because I wanted to be, you know, like, great. I wanted to be famous. And now, 44-year-old me looks back on those things, and I wonder if maybe there wasn't a spark of something good and genuine in that. You might have noticed that pastor wasn't on the list. <laughs> you 
44-year-old me looks back on this, and I think some of this makes sense because some of those things gave me such joy. Like, they, they, they were, like, they, they worked up, like, love within me. I, they, they just woke something up in me. They made me feel alive. So I think, like, at my best, here's what I'm hoping, is when I said those things, when I said I wanted to be a professional soccer player, it's because I actually hoped that there might be some other little kid in the stand like me that would get joy out of watching his home team come back for a really big victory. Or there might be somebody else who's in the, in the audience looking up at the stage and getting swept up in this great big story or melody and just having their heart, like something happen in their, in their heart. <laughs> I hope that that was part, at the root of some of it. Now, the, the bus driver thing. <laughs> when I was in second grade, I had this bus driver who, on Fridays, would very often just give us treats. Like, we'd get on the bus after school, and he'd have treats for us. And it was amazing. Like, this guy thought about us during the day, and he got us something, you know, whatever it was. I don't even remember. But I do remember on the Friday before Mother's Day, he gave us these little iris bulbs wrapped in newspaper to give to our mothers <laughs> for Mother's Day. Like, how amazing is that guy, right? I wanted to be like him. I saw how he was, and I wanted to be like him. And I think, like, all those things actually might have led into what I was eventually called to be, which doesn't seem related to any of those things. And so maybe there's, like, a deeper question beyond what are you going to be when you grow up? Again, great, great question. It helps spark creativity. It helps our, our young people dream. But I think there's a better question we could be asking ourselves, regardless of how old we are or how much we've accomplished in life. What are you becoming? What's happening? And this is an active thing. Not, not just what have you already become or what are you going to become one day, but what are you becoming? What are you in the process of becoming right now? No matter, again, no matter how, how old you are, you are in the process of becoming something. Now, Jesus had another way of asking this, what do you want to be when you grow up question. He put it, in this form that we just shared with you. I'm going to share it again. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. Now we're going to drill down on this, this question um, just, just for a minute. I don't know, you might have heard it right off the bat. What do you want me to do for you? Actually, can, can be a very similar, similar question and maybe even deeper than the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? But first, some, some quick context to this conversation that the disciples are having with Jesus. Jesus had just shared with them that very soon he was going to be beaten and killed. And then he was going to be in the grave. And then three days later, he was going to raise from the dead, defeating death and giving everybody else life forever. So his disciples, they heard that, James and John, and they said, Jesus, could you do something for us? <laughs> and if Jesus was as sarcastic as me, he would have said, you mean like die <laughs> and raise from the dead? Sure, what would you like for me to do for you? Instead, he frames the question and he sets them up for the weight of what they're really, really asking. When you drill down on the question that he asked of them, he said, what do you want me to do for you? Which is really, what do you want me to do? which is really, what do you want? Now, Jesus uses this language, and he does it all the time, and if you, if you spend some time looking at it, what he's really saying, these words that he's using, are really about your desire. So what do you desire? What do you wish for? What do you love? What do you take delight in? 
when, it, when left to itself, where does your heart go? Jesus wants to change what we want. Jesus wants to change what we want. He wants to help reform our desires. That's what he was beginning to get to with the disciples. He wants to redirect our loves. He's really just trying to get to the heart of, of the disciples, saying to them, what is your heart aimed at right now, and what are you becoming? This is such an important question. We've got several of our small groups that are doing a study by Bob Goff called Everybody Always. A lot of them are doing this, a video study that goes with this book. It's really great. Um, he said this. He said, we are all rough drafts of the people we are still becoming. We're all rough drafts of the people we're still becoming. I don't care how old you are or where you are in life. You're still a rough draft of the person that, that God has in mind for you. We're all in this. So let's reset this. If the desire of your heart is to follow Jesus, then ultimately what you are becoming is what Jesus already is, which is love. Like you don't have to wonder. Somebody asks you what you're becoming, you can say, I'm becoming love. <laughs> and I didn't make this up. We're going to kind of walk through this in, in, the, in the scriptures here. We have learned together, um, at some point you might have heard this, that God is love. First John says that. God is love. Kind of like a basic core idea in the Christian faith. We've also learned that Jesus is God with us. So at Christmas time, we hear about an angel coming to the, the mother of Jesus and saying to her, you shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now on this next one, this is, this is me just kind of doing the math. So that means if God is love and God is with us, then Jesus is love with us. There's a, a passage from the Bible that we actually use at, at funerals on a regular basis, and we'll remind ourselves that Jesus is coming back for us, and that when he appears, we don't know exactly what he's going to look like, but, but, but we will be like him, First John says. We have also learned that following Jesus means taking him on. We talked about that earlier, even this year, that, that following Jesus means to put him on, like to put him on like a cloak, like to wear love. So therefore, we put on love, like it says in Colossians 3. Jesus wants us to want that. <laughs> Bob Goff also says, love isn't something we fall into. Love is someone we become. So love isn't something that you can just kind of put on a shelf. It's not like a thing that you set off to the side. It's, it's someone that's been embodied right here on the earth, and we are becoming like him. It's the person we are becoming if we follow Jesus. Okay, so this whole thing started with James and John and kind of an inappropriate question and request of Jesus. They were clearly concerned with their own status when they asked the question. You'll see this. They were beginning to see the whole thing that was, that was about to happen. Like Jesus said, I'm going to die, and this is going to happen. And they're thinking to themselves, we've been with this guy for three years, and he's gotten a lot of attention. He's, he's kind of famous. Like, maybe we need to leverage our connection with him, right? So they, they asked this question, let, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your glory. And Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking then he, he says this, this, he asks this next question, which is a little bit uh, mysterious. He says, can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? It's 
a lot of layers just to that one question, but what he's really saying is, can you take on the sins of the world by drinking a cup? Can you, can you die and, and raise from the dead? <laughs> Making it possible for everybody else to have life. And I think they didn't really understand his question because they said, yeah, I think, probably, yeah, I could probably do that. <laughs> you know, they got mixed up, like we do, from time to time. They thought that their proximity to Jesus might get them some status. <laughs> he was really quick to clear that up, though. He said, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So what this means is that to follow Jesus is, means to serve. And I don't know a group of people who are more, have their hearts more set on that than Providence people. People are here all the time saying, this is what I want to do. I want to serve. I want to go. It's been a hurricane. What can I do? Like, we had to have that emotion today because we knew you guys were going to be ready <laughs> to respond to the hurricane. Love looks like putting others ahead of yourself. And I'm sure you're aware of this. That's not what the world very often looks like out there, right? Putting other people ahead of yourself. In Jesus' day, the, the server in the home was like the lowly one, right? So when you came over to somebody's house and you walked in the door, the servant would be the one that would stoop down with a bowl of water and wash your grimy, dirty feet from the day. And Jesus says, but this is where the strength is. This is where the real strength lies, to love well and to give your life to becoming more like him, this king who washes other people's dirty feet. <laughs> Think back real quick to the short list that I gave you of things I wanted to be when I, when I grew up. Uh, to, you know, to become a great athlete, to become a great musician requires what? It requires training and some real focus. To become Love requires pursuing the heart of Jesus with training and some focus. It means developing habits and patterns that look like Jesus. So I want to tell you what we're talking about in this series is not just like a workbook of what it takes to become something that you're not. It's like a pattern that Jesus demonstrated for us of how to live. I couldn't say to you today, I'm going to start practicing my trumpet when I become a great jazz musician. <laughs> we couldn't say, I'm going to become love when I get to heaven one day. Right? We're practicing it now because that's what Jesus gives us to do. So following Jesus is, is not how to get to the heights of heaven one day. It's not just like this thing that's out there. It's how to live in the foothills of heaven right now. Do you know that? Like we get to experience taste of heaven right now. We get to experience here all the time on a regular basis. Jesus is what it means to become love. And so what did he say love looks like? It wasn't like some kind of like Valentine's Day kind of, kind of image and, you know, we hesitated. It's the fall and we've got a heart and we've got love language in our, in our series and we might get mixed up. And so Jesus wants to make sure we don't get mixed up in what love looks like. So when he started his ministry, he went into the synagogue and he grabbed a scroll and it was from the prophet Isaiah. And he unrolled the scroll and he said this out loud, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, 
and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, which is his grace and mercy on his people. Now, some of you are going to hear those words, and you're going to say, that sounds kind of familiar. Like last week, we were here celebrating 10 years of Providence Church, and Jacob was up here talking about, just briefly, about what all the things God has done in the last 10 years. But when we were looking ahead together, we said, we want to join together with some other churches in our community to see transformation take place. So he said, we want to see everyone fed. We want to see everyone free, everyone safe, and everyone ready. Which means no more hunger, which means avenue to, for people to be free from addiction, which means no one is caught in abuse and trafficking, which means every student is ready to go out and change the world every single day that they leave their school. That's what becoming love looks like. So how did Jesus live this vision out? So that's what we're going to be talking about over the next several weeks. Like, how does Jesus do that? And how can we pattern our lives in a way that allows us to become love like him? Well, the most outwardly visible practice that Jesus lived was this practice of community. You might have noticed it. Like, he announced that he was going to start this big ministry, and he didn't just barge out there and do it all by himself. He gathered people. He gathered community around him. He invited people to come along beside him. Because love isn't meant to be lived out in isolation. And love actually, it actually drives you into community. Because community is that place where you are fed. Sometimes where you literally eat and you experience life change. St. Augustine had this vision one time of Jesus coming to him and speaking these words to him. He said to Augustine, Grow and you will feed on me and you will not change me into you like the food that your flesh eats, but you will be changed into me. The, if, just think about it just for a moment. The food that we eat, right, is absorbed into our body, right? It becomes part of us. But when we come to this table of communion, like we'll get to in just a few moments, we eat bread that transforms us into the body of Christ. My family is part of a, a small group here at Providence Church there are six families that are, that are part of this just beautiful gathering of, of people. We get together every other week. We, uh, we always start around the table, and uh, there's a lot of people. So there's people around the table, and there's people standing around the counter, and we're all eating together and, and sharing life together. Then we move from there. The kids in our group, they'll, they'll go off and, and, and uh, hang out together, and then we'll stay, and we'll study, and we'll sit in God's Word, and we'll share life together, and we'll pray together, and we'll cry together. Because it's a place where we are becoming love. And then, we all come back here with you guys on Sunday, and we sit in God's word, right? We sit in this place, and we hear from God's word, and we worship together, and we pray out to God. And then we come to this table, and we feast, and we eat, and we're fed at this table. And then we go out into the world, and we, we serve people out of that, right? And then we get back together in the middle of the week, and we sit around a table, and we sh we're fed together, and then we sit in God's Word together, and then we come back here on Sunday morning, and we're fed by the Word of God, and we come back to this table, and we're fed by this bread and this juice, and we do it all in community. This is the pattern that Jesus gave us of how to become love, is to keep doing this. And some people will say, well, that sounds really redundant. You do that every week, like every Sunday morning, you guys get together and you sing songs and the band play and like you do all this stuff that is happening over and over again. And that's, it's the pattern that Jesus gave us. It's like come into community, go and serve, be fed. 
Come into community, go and serve and be fed. And I just want to invite you over the next several weeks, if there's any place when you, when you hear this pattern and when you look at the, the pattern of Jesus' life and, and you say, well, there's something, I don't actually have that as part of my pattern quite yet, but I want to become love. Then uh, for right now, I would just say, I want invite you to explore Providence small groups. Like they're a great place to be able to, to connect and like live out that pattern one step further, becoming love one step further. That's, that's one way that we are offered to do that in this place because Jesus invites us to this pattern and we practice something and we become something that we are not already when we come to this table. This morning, I'm gonna, we're going to invite you to come and to receive this, this bread and this juice. And as you do that, I just want to, to remind you that you are becoming something else as you eat it. As strange as that, I know it sounds mysterious and it sounds kind of weird, but like we're becoming something else the more and more we come together and the more and more we receive God's generous gifts of grace and mercy. Let's pray. God, we pray for your Holy Spirit to come and be present with us as we're invited to come and receive a simple sign of your presence, a sign of your grace and your mercy, a sign of your sacrifice that you announced to the disciples so long ago and they were, their response was confused and our response is sometimes confused. What does this mean? God, you're inviting us to become love. So we receive it. We open ourselves to be transformed by it. Send your spirit, make this bread and juice be for us the body and blood of Christ so that we could be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. In Jesus' name.